Welcome to the intersection of Black culture and horticulture with your girl, Cola B. Talking. And guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. Guess what, y'all? We black in the garden. I'm Cola B. Talking. That's right. Yeah, we're getting straight into it on today. I'm just letting you know that I am Cola B. Talking, your hostess with the mostest, and you are back for part two of George Washington Carver, the Botanical Goat. In case I didn't explain it last time, which I think I did not, GOAT stands for greatest of all time. And that's just something that we, the Black delegation, like to, that's a a very special, esteemed, illustrious title that we give to, obviously, those we consider to be the greatest at, at, in something that they do in a particular field, you know. Michael Jordan is often referred to as the GOAT in the game of basketball. And Sidney Poitier, the the GOAT in the game of acting. I made that up. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I made it up. But you get what I'm trying to say. And that does not take away from the fact that George Washington Carver is the botanical GOAT. You can fight me. It's fine. It's fine. If you want to debate, we can get into that. That's that's a whole nother subject. But part two of Black in the Gardens, George Washington Carver Exploration is brought to you by today's Extension Office Services and the Master Gardening Advice that's brought to you by the GOAT. Let me explain. We didn't get into the whole concept of George Washington Carver as the plant doctor in episode one. And it's fine because, like I said, we ain't going to be able to tell y'all all of the every things, but you are free to research at your leisure. So we're going to go ahead and get into part two of this very special series Of course, obviously, for the Black History Month, where we are just being the blackest of black as much as we can, because why not? Our ancestors literally died for it. So we're just going to do all the things that they didn't get to do, including be free. I don't know. Like, that's just one. Not all of them, because not all of our ancestors were enslaved, which is a very important distinction to make. We have a whole diaspora. Okay, so, yes. Bear all these things in mind, all things considered. We're ready to get straight into part two of this very special, very special. Let's just get right onto it before I start talking in circles. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So, getting back into the whole Peanut Man mm-hmm. theory, not theory, whole Peanut Man persona, what everybody to call him persona, you know, uh, archetype or whatever. I can't think of the words, but I know words. <laughs> so he discovered more than 300 uses for peanuts and hundreds more uses for soybeans, pecans, and sweet potatoes. Are you familiar with any of the products that he created with those other crops, soybeans, pecans, and sweet potatoes? So I know there were some gums. I know there were some oils. I recipes that he came up with and mm-hmm. goes into kind of an ethnobotanical thing. So ethno meaning mm-hmm. cultures and society, people pretty much. 
botanical study of plants. So how plants and people interact because words have meaning. So I often break things down. So when people are looking at it, like, oh, this is what this what means. Um, the best way for me to convince anyone to use anything is to make it real to them, right? So if I'm going to, we've talked yeah. about you before. We've talked about, you know, I've talked to you about different uses of stuff like that on my videos on Instagram. You'll see, like, I try to give real examples on why I do this, not just because it's fun. But in order to convince someone to change their livelihood, from the plant that they know that mama did, that grandmama did, granddaddy, whomever did and break tradition, you have to really make it and then sell it to them. So mm. to to really, and then to make the government then invest in it because farmers are also sometimes mostly broken, or I shouldn't say mostly, and sometimes farmers are also subsidized to a certain extent by the government. You, you have to get that buy-in all over. And that shows a level of genius <laughs> that a lot of, and a really go get it, that a lot of us just don't have today. So building upon that knowledge of this is going to fix everything, this is me selling it to him, he's seen a problem and he had a solution. And that's just the way it should be. Whenever you see a problem, I know a problem, let me find a solution with it. Don't just come to me with a problem. So knowing all of those different uses, coming up with them, discovering them, looking them up, however he came up with it, that just made it much more of a viable thing like we use them today. Absolutely. He just, like, in order to have come up with the hundreds of products and recipes and innovations that he came up with that were all plant-based, uh, from peanuts to pecans, sweet potatoes, and soybeans, I can just imagine just the way that I think about it, knowing what I know about how to grow things and the whole process that's involved, he had to be so obsessed with it. Like, he just had to be, like, out in the field all the time. Like, I was uh, looking at a video, I believe it was on history.com, where they said that they did not have a proper science lab or really any kind of lab set up for him when he arrived at Tuskegee University. And he took students and they went out and they actually, they used what we would call today sustainability practices to find like, field, like spoons and just equipment, you know, like glassware. And they just basically kind of went thrifting to get all the supplies to get the lab situated so that he could do his work. He was like, we're going to get the work done. Like, y'all don't have a lab for me? Okay, cool. We'll go find the stuff. Mm. That was his attitude. That's there's, amazing, right? Oh, there's a word I know to use for this, but I know it's not appropriate. It's, it's my North Carolina Say word. it. But, you Just know, when it. you rig something as a Black person... It's okay. You know, I'm... <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and leave it like that. The people can feel it. It's going to be our end joke. Because some people, they don't know. No, it's fine. This is Black in the Garden. So we're not trying to be all coy about our language and our terminology. I understand that word. I'm glad you said that. So when you nigger rig something, as the people say. You're welcome. When you do that, 
when you MacGyver something, when you put something together and show your ingenuity, you you have to look at the roots of that. And I will preface this by saying, typically, I do not use the N-word. However, that was it's the fine. first thing that came to my mind, and it, I remembered my own North Carolina roots. When it comes to science, right? When it comes to this right. that we call science and even education and learning, while there are times where I do have to spend money, because I'm also I've been a tutor myself, to and I've had to spend money to actually get what I need. Like I can't make a pot for my plants here with the things I have, not easily. So there's times where I do have to spend money and get those things. But if I want a pot to look a certain way, I can paint it and get that effect. If I'm trying to do a certain science project or so a certain scientific protocol, I can do that by using household items. I had students I had to work with, COLA, who we had this online academy they were in. They were being homeschooled. And we had to basically come up with scientific projects to show, like, the pro the theory of density or physics and things like that. And I would basically tell them to grab random stuff around the house and we're going to make yeah. in a similar way to MacGyver. So his doing that really, again, shown, again, number one, the side of the times, because you are a black institution and you're not getting that much money, so every dollar counts. But to be honest, even at NC State, which is a land-grant university, meaning that, you know, it's been there for a while, the land was given to them, by the state for that proper, that practice. It is a big university within North Carolina. It's very prestigious across the United States and I think even the world. I had a class mm -hmm. where we used cans and old machinery and things that somebody made in their spare time to show off different principles. Yeah. This is nothing new. And I think the other part that we have to remember is deeper than him making stuff because you can make some stuff and it works beautifully. That's great. But he didn't have really any formal textbooks, any formal research for his students. They learned by trial and error. So while we today can go to a glossary or on our phones and look at Wikipedia or a YouTube mm. video and get a science principle explained to us, he had them learning through trial and error, which is essentially play. And... Like oh yeah. Really how we all learn anyway. So that was I think another reason why he was so successful in the academic field. He definitely had to experiment a lot and I love how you mentioned the whole concept of learning via play. Um that's definitely something that is employed by elementary schools, preschools for sure. They're singing, they're reading cute books and they are doing experiments and <clears throat> getting tactile with the information mm -hmm. so that they can teach children. Yeah, so that that is for sure a thing. And, you know, getting into the, the whole concept of George Washington Carver getting into his field, something that I learned in a webinar a few weeks back, I attended a webinar that was hosted by Leah Penniman, who is, you know, she is just like farming goals farming bay <laughs> mm -hmm. she gonna be on the show she don't know it yet but um 
what I learned from her is the connection between George Washington Carver and our modern day extension program. Are you familiar with this concept? Are you familiar with uh, George Washington Carver's Farmers College on Wheels? He he took that he took it on a road. He did, and I swear to you. The government did not want me to be successful. I made Trump mad at one point or another. I don't know how. I thought I read somewhere that he was the father of the extension agency, like the, the modern extension <laughs> we use. And I cannot find the article that I read that in. And I sw- I read it. The, he had everything on wheels. He would show all these different principles and do all these different tests. I can't find it. You, you know what? You're so right. And what I ended up doing was I was watching the webinar. Yes. And somehow I ended up, I was really paying attention and I was taking notes. And I took a little video snippet of the webinar at that part where she was talking about that. And it was a picture of the Jessup wagon, which is what was. And it was, it was paint. I believe it was painted on there, the Farmer's College on Wheels. But I got like a 30 second snippet. And so, of course, you know, I had to go ask Auntie Google about that. And she came through. Yeah. Um, she really did come through. I found several articles. I, I will definitely be linking that information in the show notes. Um, so let me tell you a little bit more about that. Because you were not crazy. That is definitely real. He definitely did that. Yes. And so what had happened was he would he was very interested in helping farmers who had you know, issues with their soil mm-hmm. and issues with their their farm just being a hot mess. So what he did was um, he would visit the farmer's field to demonstrate the modern plowing practices or innovations in animal husbandry. That's such a cute word. <laughs> but um, animal, don't get me started lying about exactly what animal husbandry is, but Auntie Google is still providing free information for everybody. But he would do things like show them about fertilizer applications and soil testing. And, you know, he was a huge advocate for uh, the regenerative agriculture, like going out into the forest and, and into the swamps to collect materials that could then be used as compost and mulching agents you know, to really add those microbes and those beneficial organisms into the soil. I know you can speak about beneficial organisms in the soil. Yes, yes. Um, What can I say? Soil is something that we often give this, this one dirt, you know, concept to it, where it's just under our feet, we wash it off of our cars, our shoes, we played with it as children, but not anymore, except for me, because, you know, Fox. But... The gardeners love the soil. Everybody listening to the show, for the most part, is probably, you know, a little bit more well-versed in soil. (laughs) You know, when I say I play in the soil, like, I do not wear gloves. I go barehanded. My nails look like who done it and why. Um, (laughs) I I go in, because I I just like feeling of it. It's something about it. Just the tactile sensation of the soil in my hands, the worms, the, yes. the organic matter, flicking bugs away, things like that. So because soil is kind of like a condominium of sorts, 
there are a lot of different beneficial organisms, microbes that live in there. So these microbes can be those that are used to break down organic matter, which helps to release those nutrients back into this whole circle of life thing that we got going on here. So we often refer to it as kind of like a food well where nutrients are moving up and down, down and up and all that stuff, right? And then you have your earthworms, which are also helping to break things down. Composting, also known as vermin composting, vermin meaning worms. You have just a slew of different bacteria, again, organisms, insects that are just kind of helping to take big pieces of organic matter, dead leaves, dead animals, and are just yeah. taking it and moving it around. In addition to things that are just generally moving soil around which is helping air and water move, which helps your little planty babies grow big and strong. Uh, yeah. I, so I, I know that one thing, two things I want to say. I know the worms aerate the soil because as they move around, they're creating these kind of cavities in the soil that are allowing for air to flow through. And airflow is important in the soil yeah. when it comes to your babies doing what they need to do but there is a quote i'm not sure who said this i think it's one of those anonymous quotes but it it is true this is the quote there are more living organisms in a teaspoon of soil than there are people on the earth I believe more that. than six billion yeah no i okay so shout out to truly living well which is a whole farming initiative, farming educational initiative in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. And they annually host a soil festival. And I feel like I may have seen that quote somewhere around there. I've been to the last two, uh, the last two years where they hosted the soil festival. Uh, I feel like I'm going to have a group of us <laughs> this year. We're going to go to the soil festival and be nerdy about dirt. Ooh. But that's enough subject for another time but yeah soil and living organisms that's a pretty big deal that's that's a lot of activity going on even in just the smallest little pinch of soil that you could hold like in between your fingers you are definitely right about that and i've seen that quote somewhere so i don't know if i had yeah. my basic soil science things or whatever but again there are so many and i say a condominium because I'm just thinking of big things and small things and grouping them together. But it's really like yeah. a, con a continent. The soil is a continent. Every soil that you see is a continent or a whole biome. It's a whole environment where you have all of these different interactions going on right under your feet. And we don't think about yeah. it because, you know, we just take it for granted, most some of us. But it's a beautiful thing. It is. It is. And when you said that you're in the soil barehanded, I think a lot of I think a lot of us don't know how beneficial it is to actually make contact with the earth, with the soil. Um, there's this concept. Once again, ask Auntie Google. She will definitely let you know. It's called earthing. And basically what happens is like you can lay on the ground, lay on yeah. bare earth. And there are all of these kind of magnetic and atomic things that are happening in exchange between you and the earth where it can, it, there are so many healing properties that occur. 
just walking around on bare soil, bare earth, grass for a certain amount of time on a daily basis has been shown to increase happiness or, you know, some kind of positive, uh, positive um, kind of, you know, situation in your whole biological nature. It's, it's pretty amazing. I haven't read that in a while, but I know that I read that a few years back and that is a whole thing. There's also a thing like, have you ever heard of forest bathing? I have. I've heard of all of these things. So yeah. the forest and just connecting with the earth. Say it again. Just connecting with the earth. Yes, that. Yeah. So there here we are. We done gone off on a little bit of a tangent, but basically what I was saying. <laughs> Going back to George Washington Carver is that he was he was recommending that we go out into the forest and we collect leaves and uh, muck from the swamps and things in order to bring them back to these depleted lands to add all of those positive microbes into the soil. I mean, if we go out and we get like a truckload of soil and spread that around. And when you consider the concept that we just were talking about with a teaspoon of soil and all those beneficial microbes in it, then I don't see how you could lose. So he really, he was really like, you know, on that organic tip. He was definitely on that organic tip. And basically going back to being the father of the extension program, which is where we were going with, yes, is that he took the wagon, he took the farmer's college on wheels and he was going around and he was teaching them how to raise poultry and cooking and preserving and canning. I know that modern day extension programs, they definitely have canning classes, um, home maintenance and, and all kinds of stuff. And he would just, he would go out there and he would go from place to place and he would help farms get back on their feet and teach them, hey, this is what you were doing wrong and this is how you can get it right. So that whole concept of, you know, going into the neighborhoods and being hands-on about that, that is that is how we got to that whole concept of him fathering the modern-day extension program because, wow. okay, I'm, I'm going to go back to you. You understand how the extension program works, right? Yes, yes, so... Um, one of my good tell us how that works. Two of my good friends actually work in one worked in extension. She's retired, Delphine Sellers. She was a former director of Durham Cooperative Extension here in Durham, North Carolina. And a good friend, Sherilyn Berry, she works there now as a horticultural extension agent. So essentially speaking, what it has evolved into is, especially because I'm here in the Raleigh Durham area. It has evolved into an ability for you to basically have your one-stop shop, for the most part, at your extension office. So the example is I can get a soil sample done the same way that he would do it. I can send it off, and for the most part, if you hit them up at the right time of the year, they do it for free, 99 I had a friend. Um, she had insects in her apartment. Something was stinging her. I collected those insects, took them into my cooperative extension office in Raleigh at NC State, and guess what? I, I never paid these people eventually, but <laughs> I never gave these people their money. But 
they did it for free. They because I, I didn't pay them, but they went and looked at these insects and they said, hey, you know, this is what you have going on here and gave me a full report of what the insects were. They would go and look at mold. They would go and look at your mushrooms. They would come with the uh, master gardeners, people who have been trained in the concepts of horticulture to come and say, hey, yeah, let me help you with this. Let me do this. Let me do that. You can grow this here. They answer questions and things of that nature regarding crop rotation. And again, these tenants that um, Carver basically spoke of and, and went through and learned. So it is this big, beautiful thing now where, you know, I went today and had a lesson on spices. I know a lot about spices, learned some more and learned how to cook using some of these spices. I've learned how to make salad dressings now. So they have a lot, including stuff for those who are yeah. from food insecurities and you need to eat or those who are like single mothers who are trying to, you know, get through life. They'll give you different classes and lessons and stuff. So it's a beautiful place. It, it really is. Uh, that's where you go to become a master gardener and being a master gardener. I mean, you can kind of tell from the title of master gardener that, you know, once you've attained that title, you're a pretty big deal. You, you most likely have a pretty good idea as to what to do in the garden. And that's basically like a college course. Um, I'm not really sure if it's free. I know that I had went up for a master gardener course some years ago. Yes. And I make the cut, but I'm not salty because I know that I can I can go back whenever I feel like it. But that's it ain't about me. It ain't about me. We talking about George Washington Carver. But here's the thing that I found most intriguing about the the um, master gardeners as they relate to the whole extension program. This is and this is game for those of you who be hitting me up asking me questions about what's going on with my plant, girl. Can you please help? And I'd be like, look, call your local extension office. That the master gardeners are literally there during a certain time of the day. Yes. It is their job. Yes. It's part of their volunteer hours that they are required to get. And they are volunteers, by the way. They are required to, well, not required to, but that's not the terminology I feel like is the best for this, but I don't want to get caught up in semantics. What I'm trying to impart to those beginner gardeners are those who have questions about what to do in their yard or what's happening with their house. You can call them and tell them what's going on, send them pictures or whatever, and they can tell you for free how to fix it. Preach. Local tip extension. Preach it. You have your horticultural extension agents because every county has your local agents that you can go to, right? And That's it. You, you have your master gardeners, which are multiple. And again, you may not want to use that term, but I will. They are pretty much required to complete a certain amount of volunteer hours. And those yeah. hours can be most deaf. Hey, my begonias are dying. What's up? My radishes won't come up. What's up? And they, they help you. Again, for free, yeah. because it's it's a thing that your taxes, my taxes, our taxes here in the United States are going towards. And so That's what it, it's a beautiful thing. And the fact that you relate people to the extension office is a beautiful thing, because a lot of people, even some planty people who will hit me up like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, look, I know a lot about plants. I am the crazy botanist, but I don't live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I don't know how to help you. Yeah. 
not with that problem. Like, for example, I'm in Columbia, South Carolina. I, this past summer, I was really getting busy with the, the pumpkins and the cucumbers and, you know, all the other cucurbits in that family. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying it right, you but are. you probably know. You are. Um, and I noticed that they was all getting real ashy. And I knew what it was. I'm just saying ashy because I'm trying to be funny. I love it. I love it. <laughs> but it was this fun. It was a fungus that was that had just taken hold of only those. The tomatoes were fine, mm-hmm. and everything else that was not in that family was fine. But I just noticed that they were getting very ashy. I was very busy at that time. I was dealing with some things in my personal life, and I was like, I don't know what to do about this. But it turned out it was a fungal situation. And just to ease my mind, just to get some insight, I was like, I'm on call the extension office and um, asked them what the situation was. And they let me know it just was not a good year for that that type of plant. It was, everybody's stuff was just getting towed up by that particular fungus. So that's just a personal example of what had happened <laughs> with uh, a situation where I needed to call in and, mm-hmm. and get some expert advice from a master gardener. And shout out to George Washington Carver for, you know, pioneering that whole situation. It's just coming right back around. So it's coming all together. It's coming all together. So this has just been so brilliant. Um, We're not going to try to tell you every single thing about this man in this one episode. Oh, no. But this has been really exciting. And so I encourage you all to, you know, do your own research, get out there and get into these links that I'm going to share in the show notes and really, you know, find out what you can find out. So Derek, crazy botanist, tell us where we can find you. What's your Instagram? What's your Twitter? What's your YouTube? How do we find you? Now my Twitter is private, so y'all ain't going to hear that. But what I'm going to (laughs) say, what I'm going (laughs) to say is this. So if you are looking for me and you are trying to find me, you go to the Instagram, right? You type in botanical period Highlander. Okay, a lot of people are saying period Mm -hmm. nowadays. Something, some new logo. So botanical, B-O-T-A-N-I-C-A-L dot Highlander, like the movie from the 90s. There can only be one. And uh, I love it. Tis I, the crazy botanist. You can also look me up on Facebook as the crazy botanist. My website is thecrazybotanist.com. And I am now on YouTube. I often have to remind myself I am. If you look for the crazy box, you can see me there. Subscribe. I'm throwing all of my videos slowly but surely that are long and irrelevant onto my YouTube. So please join me there. That you is. I was watching last night and just very relaxing, talking about your kombucha and just out there in North Carolina living your life. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, y'all y'all can get a more visual and, and, and immersive experience of the botanical Highlander, the crazy botanist that way. Thank you so much, Derek, for uh, participating in this conversation with me, sharing with us, being Black excellence as a Black botanist and i would like to wish you love light and soil
Yes, yes, y'all. You have just went on this journey with us, with George Washington, the Carver, all right? <laughs> no, George Washington Carver, the GOAT, all right? A two-parter featuring the homie, the botanical brother, the contemporary botanical, just working his way on up to GOAT them, the botanical Highlander. No, that's how you know I'm on the Instagram, but known to you on this show here as the crazy botanist. As I said in the beginning of part one, one of our most enthusiastic subscribers, and by our, I mean me, because this is a one-woman show. Black in the Garden, all the hats, I'm wearing them, okay? Promotional hat, I'm wearing it. Street team, I'm out here in these streets passing out flyers, y'all. Editing is happening right here. You heard it here first. Information, reference, all the things. So you get it. You understand. You know, you just got to do what you got to do. And I just love the culture. I love gardening. I love my people so much in telling stories and talking to other people who are just as crazy about growing things and about plants as me. So it's not really a big deal. Most of the time, it's a lot of fun. And speaking of the street team, uh, <laughs> as the street team, I took a very special journey out to, you know, make sure I black it up real good this February 2020 out here in these streets, okay? Passing out flyers as I do. That's what happens when you're on the street team. And I was so excited to run into a supporter. Dana, hey girl, hey, what's up? Okay, so it was excitement. It was pure just awesomeness. And I'm just like, you just don't understand. I'm not gonna try to explain it because I low-key don't understand. But what I will say is this. When I spoke with Dana, we had a cute conversation. Oh, girl. Like I said, I'm not finna go down. I'm not finna get all in my feels because I'm gonna start getting in my feels. But Dana let me know that she found out about this show from her friend, Chris. What's up, Chris? Shout out to Chris, okay? So she found out about the show from the homie. And I'm like, yo, you know what we should be doing? Because everybody homie probably should be listening. Not probably, definitely should be listening. So you probably got a homie right now that you've been meaning to tell, you've been meaning to send him a link, you've been meaning to tag him on the gram. It's all good. You can do it right now. Stop what you're doing right now. Text the homie. Let him know, hey, this podcast is pretty dope. It's called Black in the Garden. Ask Auntie Google. She'll get it for you. That's that's really, I mean, you don't have to say all that, but you get what I'm trying to say. Text your friend and let them know that you found a good thing in Black in the Garden. And I appreciate that so much because that's just support. It's getting the word out. And that's what I'm trying to do because I need all the peoples to know what is happening here. We just talked about George Washington Carver and we shed some light on his botanical legacy. And the people need to know not even just the blacks. I ain't even gonna lie. Like it's not it's not all just for our reference, but it is just making sure that we tell our stories. We need to be telling our stories to make sure that they get told. We can't depend on Disney to tell our stories. No shade to Disney, because you know the Lion King was busting or whatever, but you get what I'm trying to say. And speaking of telling our stories, tune into the YouTube channel. 
Lots of content is on the way. Black in the Garden on YouTube. Soon come. That's it. Just go to the YouTube right now. Go find Black in the Garden. It's real simple. I got the trailer up there. Just to make sure y'all got something to get into. Go ahead and subscribe there. Also, you know, we got the link tree with all of the things that you need to know. L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E forward slash Black in the Garden. All right, that links you to everything that is related to this show as far as what you can get into, as far as affiliate codes so that you can show support for the show so that you can, you know, make sure that we keep this thing popping so this one-woman show will be able to continue to run. So I appreciate your support, as I always let you know. Don't I always let y'all know? I did tell y'all thank you, right? Thank y'all. Y'all cute. So, yes, also, Patreon is a wonderful way, a wonderful new way that you can contribute to the show. And those of you who listen to Matt podcasts, lots of podcasts, or just are into the creatives, are familiar with Patreon, probably are already patrons of your favorite creatives. I happen to be most likely one of your new favoritest creatives. So head on over to patreon.com forward slash black in the garden. You will get exclusive content. You will get sneak previews of content that is coming up, of episodes that are coming up. Y'all, I had to cut something from this very episode. And I'm just going to talk about it on there because it's, you know, it's like a little behind the scenes kind of feel. It's like a behind the scenes exclusive. That's the word, real exclusive for y'all. So I want to make that special. I want to make that a very dope experience where you, you know, you get behind the scenes and you also get some swag and you just get some really cool perks. So that is patreon.com forward slash black in the garden. Turn to your neighbor and ask them, neighbor, have you contributed? Have you looked into your Patreon patronship of black in the garden? Also, if you want to reach out to me and let me know how much you love the show or how much you think, you know, we might could be doing something one way or the other, blackinthegarden at gmail.com is the way to let me know. You can slide in my DMs like, yes, but email is way more formal and ain't nobody on Instagram all day. If you are, you shouldn't be. Speaking of Instagram, at blackinthegarden on Instagram, also at blackinthegarden on Twitter. So I know I said a lot, but if you're already following, if you're already supporting, no bigs, because you already done did all them things. But if not, subscribe on all the things, link to the things, tell your friends about the things, your family members, your beloved friends, even your enemies. I mean, everybody deserves nice things. Black in the Garden is a nice thing. Appreciate y'all so much for rocking with me, and I would love to wish you love, light, light. 